Can you make sure? You're on, man. He just walks off the stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. Now, is this on? It should be. I'll double check. In the movie, Catch Me If You Can, Frank Abagnale, portrayed by Leonardo DiCaprio, is notorious for being fraudulently employed as a doctor, a lawyer, and a co-pilot. Abagnale also becomes adept at check fraud and steals millions of dollars along the way. FBI agent Carl Hanratty, Tom Hanks, makes it his responsibility to catch Abagnale and bring him to justice immediately. However, that proves to be very difficult. Abagnale remains one step ahead of Hanratty and the federal agents throughout the movie until Abagnale is eventually caught and imprisoned. But Hanratty convinces the FBI to let Abagnale serve the rest of his sentence working for the FBI in the bank fraud unit. In a riveting scene, Abagnale tells the federal agents that you don't learn to spot counterfeit checks by studying the counterfeit. Instead, you study genuine checks until you have mastered the look of the real thing. As we take a look at the theology of sexuality this morning, I fear we have been looking at counterfeit cultural sexuality for so long that we do not recognize the genuine scriptural sexuality that God has ordained. This morning, I want to challenge you with this message on sex, sexuality, and purity. If we do not possess our vessel, listen, if we do not possess our vessel, we lose our voice in this world because this world has placed before us a counter culture to, to, to scripture, a counterfeit. Uh, catch what I just said. Culture is a counter culture, actually. I know people twist it and they say things like, you know, the church is trying to bring a counter culture. No, 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 no. Get that. Listen. Scripture has always come before culture. And so what we have to understand with this simple little trick, hello, this simple little trick is that the counterculture is actually the society and the world that we live in, countering what Christ set up in the New Testament, and what God by his spirit gave us in the Old Testament, okay? I want to take you to several scriptures. You'll see on the title slide, this might be a great screenshot for you to grab this initial title slide with all of these texts. I'm not going to get through these today. This, is, this would be a series that would take uh, a month of chapels. But I want to bring to you a a foundational verse as I begin from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 was written by Paul. Paul, listen, understanding who wrote a text is critical to the meaning of that text. Okay? You, you, you guys understand the hermeneutic uh, uh, of interpretation. And what is placed before us and how important it is to look at the context. Paul had something to say about sex, sexuality, and purity. 
Paul was very clear about it. As a matter of fact, you can go back to Moses and you can go back to the, the, uh, the wisdom literatures. The Bible is not silent on sex, sexuality, and purity. And, and the reason why is because of what I'm going to read here from Paul. If we do not possess, if we do not possess this vessel, we lose our voice in this culture. Because what has happened is this counterculture of the world that we live in, not the church, this counterculture of the world that we live in has countered everything from the scripture from the beginning of time. It always has. So listen, listen, First uh, uh, Thessalonians 4 and verse 1. Finally then, brothers, I urge you and exhort you uh, in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from, uh, from us, that we would walk, listen, that we would walk and that we would please God. For you know, listen, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this is the will of God, your holiness, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in a, in, in a way of sanctification and holiness, okay? And to hang on to that in honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not understand God. That no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all, of all such. We also are forewarned, we've been forewarned through Paul saying, if you look at the whole of Scripture, you've been forewarned about this topic. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given to us the Holy Spirit. Man, there's so much there. Let me just unpack this quickly. I want to have four simple conversations with you that are about two to three minutes long. And my prayer is that, you, that the scriptures will come holistically to you and not just some set of, oh, well, that's a prude church that doesn't understand our culture today. No, 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 no. You see, you're thinking it backwards. We live in a prude culture that doesn't understand Scripture because Scripture always comes before culture. If we could understand that and get that in our thinking, it would help you with every issue that you are dealing with today. Because hear me, if your generation doesn't get this issue right, we only lose the grip, the platform, the voice that we have for the next generation. Let me bring you to some conversations, okay? These, these conversations are what I would say are, are the most important conversations that you need to settle. Conversation number one is counterfeit sexuality. Listen, we have been looking at counterfeit cultural sexuality for so long that we do not recognize genuine scriptural sexuality when we see it. Do we even know the difference between cultural and scriptural sexuality? What culture sets up as the norm and what scripture sets up at the norm. Because we have done, listen, we have done a poor job in the church with, with scriptural sexuality ethics. A poor job. And now what happens is we hear something over and over so much, we start believing the lie because we cannot counter it with scripture most of us could do a great job at quoting pop songs and netflix and your favorite movies most of you could do a pretty good job at talking about what cancel culture to, uh, will, will bring to, to the conversation to the narrative but we do a poor job at understanding the scripture with the topics that relate to your life we are great at meology, but terrible at theology. Generalizations, hear me, generalizations have destroyed America. 
Generalizations have destroyed conversation in America. Can I prove it? All Democrats are. All Republicans are. All Christians are. Do I need to go on? And what we do is we place everybody in this all gay people are, all straight people are. Everybody that lives in the South is. And what happens is we cancel people because of generalism. And the scriptures have something to say about cancel culture. Man, listen, I want you to understand Moses, you'll see it up here. Moses, the wisdom literature, Matthew, Jesus and Matthew, Paul in Romans, Jude's little book of four verses, five through eight, and John in the Revelation. Because hear me, when people say things like, the Bible doesn't say anything about loving, consensual, homosexual, LGBTQ plus relationships. The context of the first century or prior to that isn't talking about what we have today. Listen, a complete and thorough understanding of the scriptures, a holistic understanding of the scriptures lays out some very simple principles I'm going to get to in just a moment. So number one, we have to get past the counterfeit sexuality in our culture today. Please understand this. Conversation number two. The principles of one generation become the practices of the next. And that scares me. Hear me. Whatever you're formulating in your mind that you think I'm going to say the rest of the morning, please listen to me. I'm... I'm flipping the script. Listen to the the phrases. Listen to the words, okay? This is so important. The principles of one generation become the practices of the next. And so what's happening in our lives today right now as Gen Z, most of you in this room are Gen Z, born 98 to, you know, 12, 13. the, the, The sociological models differ, but most of you are Gen Z in the room. And what happens is, We are setting a culture, a theological culture for generation A to come, alpha gen. We don't know what we're going to call them. I call them like gen because, right, they like stuff all the time. We are setting the principles for the practices of the next generation, your younger brothers and sisters. What kind of principle, what kind of ethic are we setting for them? Listen, this is the danger of poor biblical worldview in this generation. The danger, listen, of continuing the, the counterculture society that we live in, continuing that message, hear me, at the detriment of the scriptures. Somebody hear me? Continuing the cultural conversation of the counterculture to Christ, of the counterculture to scripture, Continuing that conversation because we spend more time, listen, we spend more time in the world than we do in the word. And I don't mean that just to be a pretty phrase. When is the last time outside of chapel, outside of church, you picked up your Bible and read it on your own and studied it and let it sink into you and pray over? When is the last time that happened? That's the answer to this dilemma we're in. Look at this. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, let me walk you through the biblical illiteracy that we've seen in America. The silent generation, your grandmothers and grandfathers, had about a 65% biblical worldview, thought from the framework of the scriptures. Okay? They had kids, which are your moms and dads, Gen X. They dropped from a 65% biblical worldview down to about a 32% biblical worldview. In one generation, it was cut in half. Gen X, your mom and dad, had you. Let's call them millennials first, older brothers and sisters. Uh, The millennials dropped down to a 19% biblical worldview. Thought in the framework of the scriptures at under a 20% clip. 
So it's dropped from the grandparents in the 60s, mid-60s, to your parents in that 32%, low 30s, and now 19% in your older brothers and sisters. But the scary part of it is your generation, Gen Z, operates on a 4% biblical worldview. That's not the church. That's all teenagers and young adults in America at that Gen Z. 4%. How is that going to get any lower? Listen, the reason why is multiple. We could look at families. We could look at the, uh, you know, youth ministry and, and the church. There are multiple reasons why. Whatever we've been doing, we have to change because it's not working. Oh, man. Oh, man. Listen, what kind of biblical framework are we leaving for Gen A? Because if we fall short again, like the millennials did for us, like Gen X and their parents did for them. Listen, I do this in class all the time. I do it at the beginning of my class. Every class that I've taught, I do this. And I'll say this. We, I, we just did it uh, last semester and this semester in our class. And I said, I want you to raise your hand if you come from a family that has family devotions, family table. Last semester, 26 students and about five or six hands went up. And that's here at a Christian university in a ministry class. So, listen, there are multiple reasons why we're there at 4% biblical worldview. But if we don't change it, what is it going to take to get it back? Because we have the church believing the counterculture of society and forgetting the culture of Scripture. Some of us are more mesmerized by culture than we are mesmerizing scripture. I was talking to a young girl at a youth convention two years ago. And I made this statement about sexual purity. And, and this statement just struck her. And she came down with her youth pastor's wife and said to me, say that again. And so I, you know, I asked her what she was talking about. And, and she gave me this, this, this quote. She said it word for word. And I'm like, sweetheart, that, that's it. This and I explained it to her. And she said, I've never heard that before. And I said, tell me what's going on. She said, well, this past weekend, I'm with my girlfriends. I'm with four or five of my girlfriends. And we're over at Katie's house. I'm changing names. We're over at Katie's house. And we're sitting on her bed. We're texting boys. And we're watching Netflix. And the lights are off. And we're under blankets. <laughs> Talk about a recipe for disaster. And she says, I had this thought, what would it be like to kiss Katie? And then she tried to dismiss it, and she couldn't stop thinking about it. Now, I remind you, she's over at her girlfriend's house in one of their bedrooms with the lights off, blankets on, watching Netflix, texting boys. What do you think is going to come to your mind? And I said to her, what did you do? She said, I went Monday to school. And I, I talked to Katie, and I said, I was by her locker, and I said, I said, I had this thought that I wanted to kiss you. And Katie said, I had the same thought. We must be gay. Right? You see the formulation of feelings versus faith? Of emotions versus uh, ethics? So I said to her, no, sweetheart, listen, same-sex attraction is not sin. Same-sex action is. And I began to un unplug the scriptures to her. And parenthetically, man, if I can just say, if there's anybody that you're listening and you're like, there's the gay hater, um, you jumped, you made a huge jump because that is not my life, okay? Um, I, I wish I had the time to go there. Uh, I have a ministry to the LGBTQ plus community that is ongoing almost on a weekly basis, almost on a daily basis every week for sure, okay? My younger brother is gay and uh, quite... Um, global. So listen, this, I'm just, I'm trying to counter what you've been living in. And so I set the scriptures up for her and she's like, I, I never thought about that before. A young man comes to me at the end of a camp last summer and says to me uh, Thursday night, I think I'm gay. 
And then he dropped his head. And I looked at him. I said, look at me. Look him in the eyes. And he lifted his eyes up. I said, say that again. And he said, I think I'm gay. And he dropped. He couldn't even finish it without looking at me. And I said, listen, I, there are a lot of kids at these altars here that, that I'd like to talk to. If you're not going to look me in the face and have a conversation, I'm going to move on to somebody else. <laughs> I've been working with these kids a long time, man. He just looked at me, right, and knew that we had to talk. The Holy Spirit was speaking to him. I guess I wouldn't normally just say do that, but anyway. He, he looked at me, and he said, I think I'm gay. And he stared me down, and I looked at him, and I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. And he looked at me kind of like quizzical, right? He's like, like confused. And I said, you're not gay. You just think you are. Do you know how many times I've said that to people? Listen. That's not an ethic. That's an emotion. And, and man, wow, I know there's so many ways of just saying that. But So I said to him, I said, look at me. Look at me in the eyes. You are not gay. And he looked at me with tears welling up in his eyes. Uh, high school boy says this. No one ever told me that. Every single person I've ever mentioned that to, they say, well, you must be gay. Because you had those feelings. My dad called me gay. My uncles called me gay. All my friends at school called me gay. And so I was just living out their words. So Friday morning, he comes in. You know, all the buses are leaving all from camp and all this is going on. Vans are leaving. He walks up to me with this, with this letter and gives me this huge hug and said, thank you, and leaves in the letter. <laughs> the letter is complete deliverance in a moment from that night where he woke up the next day and said, I am now managing my emotions because of the thing that you said to me last night. Listen to me. Hear me out really good. Some of you in this room have emotions over ethics, have feelings over faith. And let me tell you something. If you continue to live here, this, listen, that counterculture, not the Christian counterculture. If you continue to live that message, it's going to wrap its satanic, poisonous hand around you. And you'll be mad at everything and everyone that tries to come against what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Listen real, real, real close. I love Jeff Dio. We've known each other for 25 plus years. Hear me. I think he's cool. I think that he is fun to hang out with. We hug. If I were a girl, I would be interested in him. But he's married. I love you. Listen to me. But that doesn't mean that I'm gay. Okay, uh, let me go to this. I'm not going to get all these convos in. Let me go to this last one. Con conversation number three, the sanctity of sexuality. A holistic look at the Bible gives a clear scriptural stance on the sanctity of gender, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of sex. Hear me. Gender, in the sense of, listen, Gender, in the sense of a clear scriptural ethic of male and female at the time of creation. And so just because Canada in 2017 started creating uh, non-gender, neutral gender fetuses doesn't mean that it's right. Hello? But what happens is we swallow this abignali effect well, we need, to, we need to look at the counterfeit more. We need to keep our eyes on the counterfeit more. No, 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 no. Listen, keep your eyes on the genuine. And the counterfeit will smell. Listen. The arguments in culture are set up against themselves. It is pitting a church that hates gays against a culture that accepts them. That is the furthest from the truth. Can I blow some can cancel culture out of the room real quick? I am evangelical, okay? But I don't fit the cancel culture mode of evangelical, not in race, not in sexuality, not in economy, not in worshiping a president, but I am proudly, proudly, uangelion, 
evangelical, white, 58, and biblical. I am not a nationalist because I'm evangelical or I'm white and old. That's where generalizations have destroyed the conversation in America. Gender is sanctity. Hear me. Gender is holy. You or I, listen, you or I have nothing to do with gender. It is God's design. Genesis 1 through 3 and Genesis 5. We could drop the mic right there on this whole sexual, I won't, Chris, on this whole sexuality ethic. Within Genesis 1 through 3 and chapter 5, you have the sanctity of gender, like I just said. The second thing is the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman. Listen, anything that has come after that is counter-cultural to the scripture. Somebody hear me? It doesn't, listen, it, just because it's popular doesn't make it populist. Just because it's popular doesn't make it principle. Keep your eyes on the genuine. So gender is, sanct- is sanctified. Marriage between a man and a woman. Listen, all the way through scripture, beginning to end, every marriage Every sexual relationship is set up between a man and a woman. If it's not, it is not condoned just because it's there. Look at the Song of Solomon. Look at the wisdom literatures. Look at uh, Psalms and Proverbs and the Song of Solomon. Don't read the Song of Solomon right now, though, okay? Anyway, looking at the wisdom literature is so powerful when we understand God's design is is, is sex and marriage Listen, sex and marriage between a man and a woman, and that is beautiful and passionate and pure. When we look at the sanctity of gender, the sanctity of marriage, then we have to move finally to the sanctity of sex. I want you to listen to me very carefully. There are some things God will deliver you from, but there are some things that God asks you to be disciplined from. God will deliver me if this is not his will. He he created me this way, and so I can't help it. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm okay with born and made. I'm okay that you were born that way. There are students in this room who were born in an abuse situation and you're a bully. There were students in this room who were born with an alcoholic father and you have tendencies toward addiction. There are students here who were born with uh, parents who were great at finances and you've uh, captured that and this is an economic ethic to you. Do you understand where I'm going with this? I'm okay with born one way. That's why we must be born again. Listen, so deeply listen to me, please. We have confused feeling with identity. This is really important. There are some things that God can deliver us from. I've seen it. But there are other things that God will ask us to be disciplined from. And that's where the scriptures come in. How can a young man, woman, keep their way pure but by keeping it according to your word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Do not let me wander from your commandments, O Lord. Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do not let me wander to the right or to the left of your commandments that I may follow them all the days of my life. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 12. How can a young man keep their way pure but by keeping it according to thy word? Netflix is not your inspiration for for sanctification. Conversations with your friends, hello? Those are not, that's not enough theology to keep you uh, sanctified in these areas. I love friends. But hear me, we have built 
a theology of meology in this culture that has taken your voice away because you bought the Abagnale effect. You've been listening to the counterculture so much that you cannot recognize the genuine. Now hear me, all of, listen, I've given you a ton of truth right now. The whole second half of my message is grace. And it really, it can be seen in the book. Some of you know this just came out. I received an email from, would you stand, please? That will make me quit. (laughs) Get us to this response. I received an email yesterday from a member of the LGBTQ+. And the email was poisonous toward me. Uh, ripping, ripping the book, my stance. And as I read through it, I realized they never read the book. They never read the book. Because if they did, and if they stood in front of me, about six of the eight things that were said were completely untrue. I weep over this message on a weekly basis because it has touched my family. I weep over this message on a weekly basis because it has touched my generation, Gen Z, my generation. Not by birth, by passion. I weep over this message because it may be the last fight on the hill for the church that we have. And I'm not going down without standing for one more battle, one more student, one more movement. I didn't wake up one day and write a book on sex and sexuality. I knew what was coming. I felt it in the room this morning. Listen. Some of you need to go back to your room and cleanse it. Can I be a father for a minute? Some of you need to go back to your room and cleanse it. Some of you need to take your phone and your computer and your playlist and cleanse it. Some of you need to stop going to the second floor stairwell or to the rooftop right outside there or down the street by the, where they park the buses in the van. You think we don't know? You think we're stupid? Hear me. If you don't possess your vessel with this message, you're going to lose another generation. Holy Spirit, do what I cannot do. Listen, the whole second half of this book is so strong in grace and love and going after the church. You got to hear, I know what you heard this morning. You heard law, right? You you heard uh, some standard, you heard standardization. And we hate, listen, your generation hates standardization. Um, Unless it comes to civil law. You're okay with standardization in civil law, right? In a neighborhood you drive 25 or 35. Out on the highway you drive 65 or 70, right? We're okay with that, but we're not okay with standardization when it comes to your behavior. Come on. Listen, I know you heard a lot of standardization. You heard a lot of scripture. Man, I didn't even get into, (laughs) um, but I want you to know, I weep over your loss of control, self-control. Because, listen, your sexuality is powerful. 
I know cancel culture is going to say to you, purity culture is destroyed. Purity culture has destroyed a generation. No, 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 no. We don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Some of us need to learn how to do, uh, how to, how to, how to do critical thinking and not thinking critical. Because it's two different things. Purity culture is not control. It's not shame. It's standard. It's principle. It's freedom. Holy Spirit, please, in these next few moments, would you cleanse us? Listen. Come now and let us reason together. God says to you, though your sins be as scarlet. The scarlet letter, hello? The scarlet letter. Rape. L, G, B, T, Q, plus. I don't know what's written over you, but hear me. Listen, listen. Isaiah prophesied this to your generation. Come, could we reason together? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. White as pure driven wool. John said it best. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Listen. My sin is no different than your sin. My sin. My sin is no different than your sin. But our sin has the same solution. Listen, I walked into Evangel College having not served the Lord through high school. I was, I was a wreck. I was raised on the court, and that's all I cared about until God got a hold of my life at the end of my junior year of high school and he transformed me and I tried to win every kid in my high school of 3,200. I tried to win every kid to Christ. Yeah. I walked onto that campus dirty but forgiven. I wasn't a virgin but I was pure. Hello? Because purity is more important than virginity. Some of you have lost that virginity and you're never going to get it back. Look at me, sweetheart. Look at me, young man. This is not just a girl thing. Hello? Hello? Listen, you may have lost your virginity, but you can have your purity back. That was my story. I walked onto that campus and saw this. I said to myself and my best friend, I I think uh, Jeff may be the only person in this room that has met my wife, but I walked onto that campus And I wasn't going to date. I told my best friend, I'm not going to date anybody the whole first year. And then I saw her. And I was like, oops. (laughs) So we dated the next three years. We got married. We had three kids, six grandkids. And my wife passed away just a few years ago, as most of you know. But when I walked onto that campus, her purity changed my life. I know some of you who don't feel very pure are going to have it back again. If you'll come to the cross and this forgiveness, and if you'll trust God to bring somebody into your life who will change the way you feel about yourself, like Jane did to me. Holy Spirit, though our sins are scarlet letters written on the forehead, or the chest of our life. Though they are red as crimson, they could be like the pure driven snow and like wool, pure white wool. And if we confess our sins, John said it, he who has no sin is lying to himself. You deceive yourself. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hear me this morning. I wish I had another 15 minutes to talk about grace. I wish I had another 15 minutes to lay out the scriptures of the woman at the well. I wish I could take you through the wisdom literature 
and the romance of God for his bride. As dirty as we are, man. Listen, this is about grace. Paul said, grace and truth. Will you just begin right now to soak yourself in his grace, in this truth? We have about 10 minutes. Would you just begin, before they even sing, would you just begin to say, God, forgive me. Some of you have a plan already. You're going back to your room because you know, you know. Listen, if you would turn your bedroom into a prayer room, you wouldn't recognize yourself in 30 days. If you could turn your bedroom into a prayer room, you wouldn't recognize yourself in 30 days. That phone in your hand, that computer, that playlist. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I feel this way. Look at your patterns. Look at your, look at your hobbies. Look at, the, look at those things in your life. Measure yourself. Not, listen, measure yourself by your practices, and then you'll understand what your principles are. God, change our practices right now. We come before you and we admit that we are sinners. Will you do that right now? God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I've got a scarlet letter on me. And I'm asking that you would reason with me through the cross that I would see my forgiveness. I confess my sin. Come on, just do that. I confess my sin. And I believe in my heart, right? I admit, A. I believe, B. I confess. God, I admit right now, I believe that Christ died for me, and so I'm confessing him right now. Forgive me. Forgive me. Not for a minute. Come on, say it. Was I forsaken? Lord is in this place. Lord is in this. Come. Come on, will you let him will you let him in? Let it let that forgiveness in. Come on, say not. Not for a minute. Were you ever forsaken? The Holy Spirit is here. Come, come. Come on, say it again. Come on, say it again. Not for a minute. in this place to forgive you to set you right come come on sing it again not for a minute yeah not We pray. We pray. Listen, no words. I want you to talk to him right now. Come on, you talk to him right now. God, thank you for forgiveness. This is your moment. Come on, just cry out to him. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Purify my mind. Purify my ears, my eyes. Purify my heart. Come on, talk to him. Talk to him. Come on, believe it right now. Admit. Believe. 
teeth confess freedom 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 forgiveness as far as the east is from the west come on Listen, I love what Paul said at the beginning of this message about the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that? He said, possess your vessel in, in sanctification. And then at the very end of that text that we read, this is what he said. And he has given you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Listen to me. The most important relationship that you have on this earth is the Holy Spirit. Can I say it again? The most important relationship that you have on this earth is the Holy Spirit. It's not your mom or your dad. It's not your brother or your sister. It's not your grandma or your auntie or your guardian. It's not your bae or your bestie. The most important relationship that you have on this earth is the Holy Spirit. Because hear me, if that relationship is right, every other relationship will be also. You must build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Right? Remember what Paul said? Be filled with the Spirit. Not, not drunken with wine, which is excess, or all of those other things that he mentioned in that list. Sexual impurity was one of them. Galatians chapter 5, this really powerful read of the... Anyway, would you pray right now, Holy Spirit, come into my life and fill me right now. Will you do that? I want you to romance the Holy Spirit right now. I want you to build your relationship with the Holy Spirit right now because he will give you power. Hear me. He will give you power to overcome these temptations. Come on right now. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to know you. Fill me. Come on, empty yourself of that counterculture. Empty yourself of society. Empty yourself of, right, all the words, all the lies. Empty yourself of that and fill yourself with the Spirit right now. Come on. If, if, if you know how, I want you to pray in the Spirit right now. If you don't know how, I want you to groan. Just begin to groan right now. Just begin to groan right now and ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit from deep within you, rivers of living water, deep within you. Raise up a standard against this temptation, God. Break it. Break it. In the name of Jesus, I pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. By the authority of the Father, I pray. And I break the spirit that is upon you, that is tempting you, that, is, that has a talon hooked in you and is pulling you back. I call you to respect. I call you to honor. I respect your own vessel and to honor other vessels right now in this place. I call you to respect and honor. Hello? I call you to respect your own vessel and to honor other vessels right now. Holy Spirit, raise it up. Raise up a purity. Raise up a purity against this, the, the impurity of this world. I, I, God, the idolatry of this world. Idolatry is pure sexuality. It's, it's impure. It's impure sexuality. That's idolatry. Where we place something before God. Holy Spirit, right now, break idolatry. Listen, some of you, real, real quick, some of you, man, sorry, we're on the way out right now. Some of you are struggling with letting go of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or you're a boy letting go of a boy or a girl letting go of a girl. Hear me. Before, listen, this is really important. Before that is homosexuality or lesbianism, it is idolatry. Here, here's, here's how it goes. Um, we're done. In 60 seconds, I'll let you walk out. But I, I, the Holy Spirit has been asking me to say this to somebody in the room who's afraid to get rid of it. Listen, it's not because it's a sexual sin. That's second. It is idolatry. Look at me. I looked at my wife on the weekend before she slipped into a coma, and I gave her up. 
I said to her, God has called me to release you. It was the hardest thing I ever did. The Lord convicted me that I had placed her and my children before him. And when I hear people say today, I could never live without them, that's idolatry. Listen to me. I love my family, okay? My kids, I fight for my, I love his kids, okay? But let let me tell you something. There's nobody more important than God in your life. And if you get that wrong, that's called idolatry. And that's where you're having a hard time letting go of this person you know is wrong for you. So God, I break this idolatry right now. They don't, listen, they don't need that person. They want that person. And I'm praying right now that they would need and want you. Date God first before anybody else, I pray. Holy Spirit, take these words. Bye. I love you. Bye. If you want to stay, no, they can't even stay, can they? No, we have to go. Man, I love you. I love you. I love you.